Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Thursday of the 13th week in Ordinary Time. I'm Josh Raymond and so glad to have you along today here. As we begin the show, when you think of someone being truly heroic, when someone does that noble act of valor, what comes to your mind? You know, we're coming up on the 4th of July, so is it the soldiers? Do you think of the soldiers who have given their lives on the battlefield for the freedoms that we have here in our country, in the U.S.? Maybe you think of those selfless ways that so many police officers and firefighters gave their lives trying to save and rescue people on September 11th. When someone's willing to lay down their life, give their life to save other people, as Jesus said, there's no greater love than this. Five years ago, on October 28th in Spokane, Washington, Angel Fiorini, she woke up unexpectedly around midnight in her home with a sudden panic, and she was struggling to breathe. She labored to get out of her bed, and she walked over to open her bedroom door to find, to her absolute horror, that her home was on fire, and there was this deep, thick smoke that was everywhere. But Angel wasn't the only one there in the house. She had her three young children also inside with her. And so Angel, she ran to grab her two youngest kids, Vinny, he was four years old, Rosalie was two. With one of them under each arm, Angel raced down the hallway and got them out of the front door, out of the house to safety. But the fire was spreading quickly and growing hotter. And Angel's eight-year-old daughter, Gianna, was still in her bedroom in the house. Now, there was no time. There wasn't time to call the fire department. There wasn't time to try and wake up a neighbor to help. There wasn't time for anything other than for decisive action if Angel was going to be able to save Gianna. So in spite of the flames that were licking up the walls of her living room, Angel got down. She laid on her stomach, and she started in towards Gianna's bedroom. The heat and the smoke, it was so intense that Angel couldn't open her eyes. She was crawling with her eyes shut, feeling her way through the living room, then down the hall, trying to make her way towards the doorway to Gianna's room. Angel finally reached Gianna's room, found Gianna there, started to drag her along the floor with her, making the return journey back down the hall and to the front door. At this point, the fire was everywhere. But in spite of the heat, the smoke, the flames that were burning them. Angel continued to pull Gianna toward the exit of the home, the door at the front of the living room. And she was still crawling with her eyes closed, feeling her way through her house that was literally incinerating around her. Now, when she made it to the front door at last, Angel tried to reach up for the doorknob, but the heat from the fire, it had made the metal doorknob too hot. 
And even as she was burning her hand trying to grab onto that iron-hot doorknob, Angel couldn't turn it. So she and Gianna were trapped inside. And between the heat and the thick smoke and the lack of oxygen, at that point, Angel finally passed out in front of the door. Now, right outside at this exact moment, that was when a volunteer firefighter providentially was driving down the road in front of Angel's house. He saw the fire, saw the two small children out on the front yard, lawn there, and he rushed in and he pulled both Angel and Gianna out of the house. So Angel and Gianna were saved. But both of them, at that point, were in need of immediate medical attention. And thanks to her mother's actions, little Gianna's injuries, they weren't nearly as bad as Angel's. They both had third-degree burns, but Angel had those third-degree burns over almost half of her body. And she would spend the next five weeks in the hospital. In addition to all of those burns, during her time in the hospital, she'd also find herself battling bacterial pneumonia. And she also had a pulmonary embolism that almost killed her while she was there in the hospital. And Angel went through all of this to save the life of her daughter. You know, it's a remarkable story, a true story of a mother's love. And parents are oftentimes willing to risk and even give up their lives to protect their children. There are so many of these types of heroic stories of parents sacrificing themselves for their children, which is what makes the first reading at Mass today such a heart-wrenching story. In this reading from the book of Genesis, we see God ask Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, a son that God had promised Abraham. And God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac to kill him. It's the opposite of a parent sacrificing themselves for their child or a father laying down his life for his son. In this story from the Old Testament, God wants, he wants the father to sacrifice his son's life. It's a different kind of sacrifice that God is asking of Abraham. And there's so much to unpack in this story. What God asks of us, how we should trust God's leading even when we don't understand, and how this is a clear foreshadowing of God the Father offering his only son as a final and perfect sacrifice. And so today, we're going to talk about sacrifice here on The Inner Life, and joining us Father Craig DeYoung, he is our spiritual director today. Father Craig is a priest for the Diocese of Austin, Texas. He's the pastor of St. Louis King of France Parish there in Austin. And Father Craig, welcome back to The Inner Life today. So glad to have you here as we look at today's first reading from the Mass. Thank you, Josh. It's really good to be back on the show. Well, and to start off then, I think it might be good just to, uh, so that, you know, if maybe somebody's not familiar with this reading or it's been a while since we've heard it, would you mind reading through uh, the first reading for us? Sure. Um, I didn't have it pulled up. Give me one second and I will have it here. Oh, that's in Spanish. I got to do it in English. (laughs) That'd be my preference. Oh, no problem. (laughs) And so while you're looking that up, if anybody wants to follow along, I'll also let you know this reading is from the book of Genesis. It's in the 22nd chapter, and it's the first 19 verses there uh, that we read where God ends up calling out to Abraham. Okay, here we go. 
God put Abraham to the test. He called to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son Isaac, your only one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a burnt offering on a height that I will point out to you. Early the next morning, Abraham saddled his donkey, took with him his son Isaac, and two of his servants as well. And with the wood that he had cut for the burning offering, the burnt offering, set out for the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham got sight of the place from afar. Then he said to his servants, Both of you stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go over yonder. We will worship and then come back to you. Thereupon, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two walked on together, Isaac spoke to his father Abraham. Father, he said. Yes, son, he replied. Isaac continued, Here are the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Son, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the sheep for the burnt offering. Then the two continued going forward. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Next he tied up his son Isaac and put him on top of the wood on the altar. Then he reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the Lord's messenger called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Do not lay your hand on the boy, said the messenger. Do not do the least thing to him. I now know how devoted you are to God, since you did not withhold from me your own beloved beloved son. As Abraham looked about, he spied a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he went and took the ram and offered up as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the site Yahweh Yireh. Hence people now say, On the mountain the Lord will see. Again the Lord's messenger called to Abraham from heaven and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you acted as you did in not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. All this because you obeyed my command. Abraham then returned to his servants, and they sent out together for Beersheba, where Abraham made his home. So again, that is uh, the first reading at Mass today. It's from Genesis, the 22nd chapter, verses 1 through 19. And uh, our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung, here on the program with us today. And we're talking about sacrifice. And Father, as you read through that, um, is there anything that initially stands out to you? It might be good to just kind of go through the story and talk about some of the different aspects of what we're looking at here and how this isn't just a story kind of isolated in time. There's a lot that we can take away from this, uh, both in terms of salvation history and as well as just application for our own lives. Of course, there's there's a great deal in this reading uh, that stands out. And namely, as you said, it's something that's in continuity. This is kind of at the, the tail end um, of Abram's journey to become Abraham and having been given the son of the promise, Isaac, and so Abram uh, had had this experience with God by which he puts his faith in God. He takes some really um, pretty incredible actions in response to that faith of, of trusting the Lord. 
And um, the Lord constantly shows himself to be faithful, to follow through in his promises. And uh, eventually, um, after the promise of land and then the promise of uh, descendants and then a son, he receives Isaac and now is being asked uh, by God, being put to the test by God, um, to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God. And uh, at this point in Abraham's life, he's learned uh, to trust the Lord. He's learned to have faith in God. And so he obeys this command from God, and he's willing to even give the, the son of the promise, the fulfillment of God's promises to him, and return to the Lord, because he trusts the Lord. He, he knows that the Lord has given him everything, and so he's willing to give as a response to God everything. And so Abraham has a right heart before God in the offering of this sacrifice, his willingness to do so. But it's striking that um, Isaac, who is the beloved son of Abraham, uh, who carries then um, his uh, the own sort of uh, offering wood up the mountain with him, um, and is in the same location physically that many uh, many years later um, the beloved son of God will carry a wood up the mountain. Um, as a place of sacrifice. And so when Isaac says uh, to his father, Abraham, uh, you know, we have the wood, uh, but where where is the sacrifice? You know, he, and Abraham replies, God himself will provide the sacrifice. Um, it's an incredible sort of moment because we can almost see from that moment in time into the future when God himself not only provides in that moment the ram for the sacrifice, but later, the Lamb of God, his only beloved Son, uh, as the sacrifice, um, the perfect offering offered to God the Father in obedience and an act of love. And so you can see sort of the, the, the parallels between them, and it's just a, it's an incredible reading that sort of shows um, that when we have faith in God, when we offer him everything and hold nothing back, when we're rightly ordered in mind and heart and obey and love God's commands, God provides in abundance in ways that we can't even sort of imagine or anticipate. Um, and I think for me that that is the ultimate lesson of this sort of story, that sacrifice is something that's actually, when directed towards God as an act of worship and in love, fulfills the human heart. It actually provides what we don't even know in some ways that we we're missing. Uh, it orders us rightly um, to God to be in relationship with him, saying, you are God and I am not, and uh, thy will be done. Um, and we find the fulfillment that we're longing for and looking for. Now, in this, in God asking Abraham to go and take his son and sacrifice him, it seems like at that moment where we have this, and I would think for Abraham as well, there'd be this questioning it seems like God is asking something that would go against the very fiber of who and what God is. Um, you know, the, the Ten Commandments hadn't been given to Moses necessarily at that time, but St. Paul ends up talking to us in the New Testament saying, you know, that there are certain things that are just written upon the heart of man. You know, our conscience informs us. So killing your, your child would be one of those that I would think that, you know, Abraham would have said, why is God asking? This does not seem right. How do, how do, how do we reconcile maybe those moments where we think, well, I think God wants me to go this way, but it doesn't seem right, and have that trust that when we make that offering of ourselves and that sacrifice in our lives, um, that if we're following our conscience, and, and I, have to, I have to clarify 
that it is a well-formed conscience, but if, if we are, that God will bring good out of that. Yeah, that's, it's a very challenging sort of thing um, when we can't sort of see what, uh, what the plan that God has in mind when it seems something of a paradox that, that uh, how could God bring uh, good out of this particular course of action when it seems like there's, there's no way that it, would, um, it, it could work for good. Um, and I think here, again, what you've said before, that this happens in context uh, of, of a series of events in salvation history where Abraham has come to this immense faith in God and has come to recognize who God is as the God um, of life and death, of even recognizing that um, you know, if God so wills it, not only could he give me a son in my old age, but he could give me back my son in this moment. I think there's this uh, real trust in God that I can't, I haven't been able to see the way before. And I even at times in my faith have, have stumbled. Abraham certainly did not act perfectly in faith. He had great faith, but uh, he made many mistakes along the way. But he's sort of grown to that moment where he's able to see that, look, I can't necessarily see how this is going to turn out, but I trust God. Right, I trust um, him to be the God of love, the God of life, the God who has led me this far, has given me even the son, that whatever God's plan is in this, I can trust him. And his trust is not disappointed. And I think, of course, uh, even seeing now um, the old through the lens of the New Testament and seeing how God not only fulfilled in that moment his promises to Abraham, but did so in a far superior way that now he not only has descendants as numerous as the stars in terms of um, you know physical or biological progeny children, but in spiritual numbers, the billions and billions of, of, of people who have entered into faith through the sacraments in, of the church um, are also his progeny in faith um, through that promise of God has been fulfilled in this incredible way. Um, we can have a similar confidence to say, look, I've encountered God in these various ways in my life he has loved me in these moments where I didn't even know he was there with me. And even though I can't necessarily see how this plan would work for God's glory and my good, um, you know, my ultimate good, um, I can trust him because of who he is showing himself to be in the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the patriarchs of, of, the, of uh, church history and salvation history. God is faithful, and he is good. Our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung, a priest in the Diocese of Austin, Texas. And today we're talking about sacrifice, especially looking at the first reading at Mass today. And has there been a time for you when you did make that tough sacrifice in your life? And did that help you to grow closer to Christ? How did it make that difference in your spiritual journey? Uh, Was it something where, looking back, just like Father Craig said, it was difficult at first, but you had that trust that, that faith in God because of his goodness, because of the way that he has proven himself in the past for you. How did that come about, and how did you see God's goodness through that sacrifice in your life? Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife 
at relevantradio.com. And we'd love to hear how God has worked in your life in those sacrifices, especially as you're able to encourage other people. Maybe they're, they're saying, oh, sacrifice sounds a little too hard or a little too scary. Well, how have you been able to work through those sacrifices and say, you know what, even though I go without these different things in my life, even though I've offered these different things up, I'm richer for it because of my relationship with Christ. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And we'll continue our conversation with Father Craig in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. She fell on her knees and said, I haven't prayed since I was young. But Lord above, I need a miracle. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung. He is a priest in the Diocese of Austin, Texas. And we're talking about sacrifice today here on The Inner Life, especially looking at that first reading from Mass where uh, God calls Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And then when God sees that Abraham is willing to not hold anything back, God says, now I know that you will love me, you will serve me. And he offers that ram in the place of Isaac, Abraham's son. And we see that as a foreshadowing of Jesus. And as we're talking about sacrifice, uh, how have you had those sacrifices that you've made in your life? And how has it helped you to grow closer to Christ? May, how did it make that difference in your spiritual journey? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Craig, as we're talking here about sacrifice, you know, the story of Abraham and Isaac, looking ahead, the foreshadowing that it gives of Jesus on the cross. Uh, we're talking about a lot of life and death kind of situations here. A lot of us, we're probably never going to have to be in that position where we are faced with having to offer our lives to save someone else, to protect someone else. Uh, so what kind of sacrifices might we be able to make in our own lives? What is God asking of us uh, if you know we don't have that kind of um, mortal questioning moment there where, you know, we, we have to say, oh, no, this, this might be the end. Uh, how, how do we go day in and day out and make those sacrifices? That's a, that's a really good point. I, I think, you know, the, the giving of that precious gift of our life can be done in sort of that uh, more immediate and heroic way, but then it can also be given in those little ways, as um, you know, St. Therese says, uh, you know, doing little things with great love, that the life can be sort of poured out in a torrent, um, you know, like a martyr's, uh, or it can be sort of poured out in uh, those little moments of each day. And so being able to unite our little sacrifices to the big sacrifice of Jesus Christ, especially through the sacrifice of the Mass, 
um, we can then sort of unite the acts of love where we spend ourselves for our family, our friends, and our neighbors in such a way that it's united to this great mystery of Christ and bears um, an incredible spiritual fruit in the lives of others. And so we can take those little acts in the course of our week, the, the things that you do and sacrifice for your children, uh, for your grandchildren, for your husband or your wife, for your neighbor, and unite those little acts to this greater um, act of sacrifice uh, out of love and obedience to God that then gives power, spiritual fruit that takes the little things and, and those little seeds and multiplies them, you know, 30, 60, 100 fold in those actions. And so we can we can look at the littlest things in our lives, everything from doing a chore in our kitchen um, or, uh, you know, going out and giving a sandwich to somebody who's hungry. Um, um, perhaps you're going on a mobile loaves and fishes run down to the homeless encampments. Uh, you can do all of those things in ways that are sacrificial and give life. Um, give your life and then with your, your, your gift of your life, your time, your talent, your treasure, uh, give, give Christ's life that's poured out in and through you uh, to others. You also mentioned that, you know, that, that phrase that we hear quite commonly in the church, the sacrifice of the Mass. And with that, that is, you know, we, we always say, well, it's a representation. It's, it's an eternal presentation there where heaven and earth meet. It's not a re-sacrifice of Jesus. But how should we understand that sacrifice of the Mass? And as you're talking about uniting our little sacrifices there, um, is that something that we have to attend Mass every day to unite those? Is that something where just by having the intention in our hearts, you know, making that firm commitment that even if I'm not able to attend Mass, I'm still uniting my sacrifices with the sacrifice of the Mass? Yes, so um, you certainly could attend Mass every day, and, and we ought to, if we're able to, uh, to attend Mass every Sunday as an uh, obligation. Um, and then in those moments where it's not possible um, to do that, there can be something of a spiritual communion through the sacrament we've received um, in faith of baptism and confirmation. Um, but that's something that's nourished and strengthened by the reception of Holy Eucharist to receive the body and blood of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Um, and the sacrifice of the Mass, one of the there's there's a sacrifice that we give. We've been talking about the firefighter, the police officer, um, Angela for Gianna, um, that's out of love for our neighbor or our family members or out of service to others. And then there's the sacrifice that's offered towards God, which is an act of worship. And when we, um, we want to bring those things together so that the love of neighbor is done for love of God. And we, we as human beings are unable to give this perfect sacrifice of worship to God on our own. And so God gives it to us in Jesus Christ, that he gives us the perfect sacrifice that reconciles us to him. Because when the sacrifice of worship, this perfect sacrifice of worship is offered to God the Father um, in the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit with those who are one with Jesus through the sacraments, um, what happens is we are ordered rightly, that we're put into right relationship with God, we're justified, and we begin to be sanctified so that we can be then ultimately saved, right? Uh, that salvation that comes in the resurrection ultimately. Um, and so what happens then is that one sacrifice, once for all, in this mediator between God and man, which we learned so much about in the letter to the Hebrews, um, and being represented, what that means is it's made present now 
for us to participate in. And so when we go to Mass, we unite the whole of our week or our days uh, to the sacrifice of Christ so that we're participating in the original event of Calvary, here and now. And we extend the power of that sacrifice into our lives as it's poured into us by receiving that body and blood, and we carry it out into the world on mission, right, to make disciples and to bring people to faith, to be baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to do all that God has commanded us to do to live as Christians. And so um, there is this element of sort of an eternal moment that is available to us through the Mass, but then it also is carried within us in our days and our weeks by by the sacrament of baptism, confirmation, um, in our lives. And so there is a way to participate in that sacrifice um, indirectly um, if you're not able to attend Mass in this spiritual communion with God. I I hope that answers the question, Josh. Did I kind of hit that? Yeah, you did. In fact, I was thinking as I was listening to you, there, there are certain places where I'll read something and I'll say, wait, I need to go back and reread that sentence or reread that paragraph. And I kind of wish that I had an instant replay here on the radio like we do for football games or basketball games because <laughs> there was so much in that, you know, uh, that, that, you know, our acts of love for our neighbor, we want to m- move forward. So those are done out of love for God. I, it, there was just so much there. So yes, <laughs> yes. Short answer. Yes. You, you, you gave us a Good. lot to think about there, Father. Um, uh, what about being ready and willing for sacrifices that they might come along? Is there a way that we can kind of prepare ourselves? You know, maybe there's not something we see in our lives right now where, okay, you know, I, I, I can make these little sacrifices, but if I want to be, if I, I, I want to be ready and willing for those opportunities where maybe something bigger comes along, is that just right. being willing? Is that being in the will of God? Uh, even if those things don't come along or if those things don't come along, is that maybe an indication that I'm trying to look somewhere that God isn't directing me? Do I need to kind of change my approach and, and ask God, where do you want me? Where can I make those sacrifices in my life? Yes, I, I think, you know, we can, again, learn something from our scripture today and, and just the story of, of Abram, that he was sort of built up by God. Uh, there was sort of an act of God, uh, an act of trust and faith by Abram, um, and then there was then sort of this deepening of the relationship with God. And we see that in the stages throughout his life that leads up to this really big moment where the most precious thing of Abraham Abraham's heart, his son Isaac, is asked to be given. And so um, I would say the same is probably true in our lives, that there's these encounters with God that teach us to trust him, uh, to know that we're loved by him, that he is a father, that we are sons and daughters of him, that lead us up to some of these big things. And some of these big things may happen at various moments of life, um, or they may not. There may be that it, it is, you know, like a St. Therese of Lisieux, where, where her life is filled with all these little things. You know, she has that great desire to be a martyr, and yet uh, she she goes into a cloistered uh, way of life, uh, sort of away from the world, and she becomes the heart, so to speak, within uh, within the church, uh, with that missionary zeal, but never gets to go and be a missionary who is martyred in the way that, that she had sort of hoped or desired for when we think of sort of these great sacrifices. Uh, and yet in in her willingness was not in question. And so there's a sense of being in the will of God and accepting uh, whatever it is that the Lord desires of us and responding to that in the Lord. 
But there's also the way of looking within our lives for the movements of grace. And this is being in tuned with the movements of, of that divine life that's given to us um, through the life of the sacraments that we are tuned to through prayer, like breathing in and breathing out. Um, that help us then uh, to be in tune with God and his movements. And, and so we want to be sensitive to those movements of God because we sometimes do miss them. And so we're always looking for ways the Lord might be moving us uh, to give those little sacrifices. And I think in cooperating with that grace, God prepares us for when those larger moments come to act. And um, I think I think this is, is, is uh, we shouldn't be seeking after those large moments in the sense of, um, you know, trying to force them to happen. You know, in the early church, some people would go out looking for martyrdom, and uh, they weren't really being called to it by God. And in fact, uh, under the pressures or the stresses of those moments, they would they would sometimes, unfortunately, apostatize, leave the faith or, or abandon the faith because they weren't really drawn to it by the Lord. So we don't want to seek them out um, out unnecessarily. But to be in tune with God, to be attuned to that grace, to be attuned to those movements. And then the Lord will prepare us that if we're called to those moments, to be able to respond um, in faith. Our spiritual director today is Father Craig DeYoung. He's a priest in the Diocese of Austin, Texas, the pastor of St. Louis, King of France Parish there in Austin. And we're talking about sacrifice. And how about you? How have you made those sacrifices in your life? How has God asked of that in your life? Did it help you to grow closer to Christ? Did it make a difference in your spiritual journey? Well, we'd love to hear how God has worked in your life. Our, our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Email address, innerlife@relevantradio.com, And we'll continue talking about sacrifice, especially uh, sacrifice can sound kind of painful, right? Well, is it supposed to be painful? We'll answer that question coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, along with our Spiritual Director, Father Craig DeYoung. He's a priest in the Diocese of Austin, Texas. Today, we're talking about sacrifice. When have you made that sacrifice in your life? Maybe it's something that you do every day or maybe even multiple times a day, something that unites you closer to Christ. How has that made that difference in your spiritual journey? 888-914-9149. That's our studio line, 888-914-9149. A big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Jim Shaper, our producers here on The Inner Life, helping make everything run smoothly. And Father Craig, right before the break, I said that when we talk about sacrifice, a lot of times it can sound kind of painful. You know, is it supposed to be painful? Is it something where if it's n- if it's not causing us a little bit of uh, uh yeah this hurts a little bit 
are, are we are we approaching sacrifice the wrong way? I mean, our lives can be pretty soft here, uh, you know, in the U.S. for a lot of us. You know, we all deal with different sufferings. I'm not trying to downplay anything like that. But there are plenty of us who, you know, we, we do have pretty easy lives, especially compared to maybe, you know, two, three generations ago. I think it has something to do with how we are made. Um, if this makes any sense. I think maybe an analogy we could use is, you know, it, your muscles are meant to be moving, lifting, uh, propelling you, um, those sorts of things. And if they're not used well, uh, and then you use them, it's a painful thing. You, your muscles atrophy. They're not sort of built up. And yet if you use them well, it sort of gets easier, but it doesn't make sort of the the pain of, of, of exercise go away. Uh, and so there's always going to be some sort of element to... Um, to that, that that brings us some, I guess we'd call it suffering. But the the way that we experience that changes, you might actually begin to even enjoy it uh, as you're using your body in the way that it's meant to be to be used. And I would say, you know, we're made in this image and likeness of a Trinitarian God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it's eternal exchange of love between divine persons. And so you see that the Father begets the Son from eternity, and the Son receives that love and returns it to the Father, and the love is so full that it is a third person. So when we are made in the image and likeness of this Trinitarian God, it shows us that we're made to give an, an exchange of love, which is a pouring out right of one's life and love for another person. And so we're made for sacrifice. And so um, when we're not doing things that are sacrificial, when we're not giving that sacrifice of love in exchange to God and to our brothers and sisters, um, then when we do that, it can be very painful, especially if we're not used to doing it. It can be even more painful as we get used to it. But the more we exercise that um, that that purpose, right, of, of giving our lives in love for God and for others, of neighbor uh, as oneself, um, that we actually grow in strength. And, and it, there's still a sense of, I think, suffering involved, but it becomes something joyful. The Lord loves a, a cheerful giver, a joy-filled giver, right? And this idea that as we begin to live that life and become more fully alive and we're able to embrace sacrifice more readily and more willingly, it actually brings us to life because that's what we're made for. And so while sacrifice can be very difficult as we're learning to embrace it, as we're, we're, we're learning how to be less selfish and more selfless, um, we are actually becoming more of who we are made to be, more in the image and likeness of, of, um, of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if we're exercising that sacrificial muscle, so to speak, you know, we're, we're working on that in our lives, what are some practical ways that you might suggest? Uh, you, you talked, you know, maybe look at the life of St. Therese of Lisieux, but how often should we be making those sacrifices? Should it, should it be something where we're seeking out and saying, well, I don't seem to be sacrificing much in my life. Do I need to look for those opportunities to kind of exercise that muscle, to grow that in myself? Um, and I guess like you were talking, going back to your uh, metaphor there of the exercise routine, it's easy to start exercising in the first one or two days. You're doing great. <laughs> you know, you, you've gone to the gym or you've gotten on the treadmill or you've jogged, you know, the, the, the two miles around your, your neighborhood or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, the jumping jacks or the push-ups. Getting into day three or day four or day five, sometimes it can be really difficult to stick with that exercise routine. 
and you have to have that that resolve, that discipline. Uh, so, any practical ways that people can get past just day one or day two, and be able to do those sacrifices in an ongoing way? I think probably one of the most helpful things is. You know, as Catholics, it's not just sort of me and Jesus, right? It's me and Jesus and the body of Christ. And having people, having people around us who can help us to be accountable, who we can grow with, who can point us back in the right track when we're struggling or need some advice, having groups of people who share our values and our beliefs and uh, the sacraments with us um, is is the best way, I think, to sort of have an accountability to our routine, um, things like a spiritual director can be very helpful, um, but just really just even a group of friends who meets to pray or to study scripture together um, or do the rosary or just share life together as families uh, can be a very great help because it helps us to keep that mindset to say, look, I am looking for ways to grow in my faith and to exercise um, sort of a greater selfish, uh, selflessness in service to God and to others. Um, my husband or my wife or my kids um, or my coworkers or, or of course, those in, in greater need uh, in our communities. But I, I think that's, a, that's an important aspect of having people who you're running with together, um, fellow disciples who, who are really seeking to follow the Lord. And, you know, Peter, James, and John, I think, were like this little cohort, small group, and um, really probably inspired one another on to look for ways to to uh, grow in that faith and, and to sacrifice in those ways. Um, I think also, um, yes, it is. it does have to be a daily thing that we're looking for. And so starting our day as an offering to the Lord is important. And then reviewing our day at the end of the day to say, where was I in tune or, or um, you know, listening to the movements of the Holy Spirit in my heart uh, so that I can sort of reflect and say, wow, the Lord is prompting me there, but I turned away. Uh, Lord, I'm sorry for that, and I ask for your grace and help to do better tomorrow. Um, you know, I think those sort of examines can be very helpful as well to sort of reflect on the day and to see where we, we really gave room for God in our life. Um, and so there is, I think, an intentional embrace of sacrifice in the day to accept those those places where the Lord moves us during the course of the day. But we have to be attentive to him, and we have to be attentive to those movements. And I think community is one of the greatest ways to help us to stay focused and to keep those routines in place. So if you're talking about community here, and that sounds great, but I I don't have any close Catholic friends. I don't know anybody at my parish that would be somebody I would naturally reach out to and say, hey, can can we work on this together? What's a good place to start there to find that other person or a couple people or, you know, to be be part of that group, that community that you're talking about? Yeah, that can be really tough because I think sometimes we look for things that are already existing. And certainly, you know, in our local parish, you know, there may be some of those things. And so you could, you know, of course, call the office or check the bulletin and see sort of um, what things already exist. But if they don't exist, as sometimes is the case right now, um, how do you how do you build those sorts of things? And I think finding people who you have things in common with, it doesn't have to be immediately hey, let's all talk about Jesus and do all the Jesus things, right? Um, though that might be something we're hungry for. It might just be simply saying, hey, I haven't seen you before um, or I haven't gotten to know you and I'm really trying to connect people to the parish. Do you want to grab coffee sometime? 
Um, and you, you would sort of do that with, with people and maybe just sort of form friendships. I mean, those authentic friendships are, are so important and could become something like that over time. Um, but finding people you connect with and, and uh, could, could sort of have that connection with and, and to have those, those relationships with, uh, it does take a little bit of work sometimes. It's not always given to us right away. Um, another thing would be just maybe if you're going to Mass on Sunday, just look around and see who you're seeing week after week at those Masses. Maybe just go over and say hello and, um, you know, say, hey, our family's going out after Mass today. Or, uh, you know, I've been here in this area for a long time and I just have never really made connections. Would you, would you want to have breakfast this morning or coffee or, or just, you know, tell me about yourself, that sort of thing. And that might be right. a start, but it is tough sometimes. Yeah, well, and another thing that I think a lot of times when I'm talking with you or another priest here on the program I kind of have this, well, it's just an assumed kind of, you know, it, it is, it's a presupposition. Well, everything should begin and end with prayer, you know, but we, sometimes we skip over that. That's one of the things that comes to my mind, Father, is, you know, if, if you, if you don't have that community, first and foremost, pray and just say, God, would you guide me to the right people so that I am there in that community rather than us trying to just do the work all on our own. And and that goes back to the entire aspect of what we're talking about with sacrifice. If we're trying to do this on our own for our own benefit or for, you know, just so we can say we're doing it, we're missing the entire point. The point is that we want to be in relationship with Christ and that we are in such a loving relationship that we can't help but want to do those things that will draw us in. And the sacrifices at that point shouldn't be these enormous sacrifices. We should be glad to offer those things in our lives. That's an, a really excellent point. And it's, you know, it's not transactional, like I give this thing and I get this thing in return, but it is really a place of relationship and trust and remembering who God is, that he does desire your good. And that if we ask things of our Father um, in Christ, he, he will grant them to us. And so really to trust God to help in, in that work, that's, that's a great point. So uh, one other thing that I wanted to bring up here, we have a couple places uh, where the idea of sacrifice seems to be downplayed. One is Jesus, where he talks about it himself. Um, he's at dinner with tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees, they walk by, they see this, and they're talking to Jesus' disciples, saying, why does he hang out with these people? And Jesus, the part that I always remember is, he responds and says, it's the sick who need the, the physician, who need the doctor. The, the well don't need the doctor. But then right after that, he says, go and learn the meaning of the words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I did not call, uh, come to call the righteous, but sinners. So that's one that seems to kind of be opposed to this concept of sacrifice. There's another point where we have, and uh, Father Richard Simon on our program here on Relevant Radio yesterday, Father Simon says he gave a whole background on this uh, portion out of 1 Samuel in the 15th chapter of that book where Saul, the king of Israel, has gone and he's uh, taken a bunch of spoils from the Amalekites that he's been at war with. He was supposed to just destroy everything, get rid of everything, not take anything. And Saul explains to Samuel the prophet, well, I was going to offer this all out in sacrifice, in offerings to God. And then Samuel comes back and says, 
does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obedience to the Lord's command? Obedience is better than sacrifice. To listen, to obey is better than the fat of rams. So we have a couple places where we see sacrifice downplayed. In the grand scheme of our lives as Catholics, where does this, is there kind of a hierarchy of where sacrifice falls in? Um, you know, I mean, we want to keep our eye on the ball, so to speak. We want to make sure <laughs> that the first thing is the first thing. Okay, let's focus on the sacraments, on knowing, loving, and serving God to be happy in this life and to be with him forever in, in eternity. Where does sacrifice fall in there? How do we make, kind of understand these two, these couple of places in Scripture? Yeah, so I think... Um, the context of these things is important because, you know, when it re- refers to sacrifice, it's, um, you know, in these these passages, it's most likely referring to the relig- ritualistic sacrifices um, that are at play, which have a purpose. But as we talked about before, when, when sacrifice becomes transactional, um, it kind of loses its flavor, um, its, its, its purpose, its, 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 its power. Because it's not like I do this thing and God gives me this thing. It's not vending machine sort of Jesus where I put in this much thing and I get this out of it. Um, and sometimes uh, the sacrifices of, of um, you know, the people at the time of, of our Lord, uh, his earthly life, um, was sort of this idea that if I do these things, then I am righteous. And so there's a ritualistic sort of purity that comes from doing the sacrifices that puts me in right relationship with God. And it really doesn't matter what's happening interiorly so long as I do those exterior things. And so when he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, um, I sort of um, paraphrase this a little bit to say, I desire a right heart, a heart that is doing these these actions out of love for God and for neighbor, that, that the person would be rightly ordered. Because when sacrifice is done... Um, uh, I think in, in, in that beautiful and perfect way that the Lord offers it, it orders the human person in not only an exterior action, but interior life to say to God, you are God, I am not, your will be done, and I will give you everything to the one who has given me everything, and I will also love then my neighbor as myself. Like those things are all sort of brought into sort of a unity, and this is, I think, that meaning of mercy, that God gives life. He gives He gives this, this right relationship um, through this act of sacrifice of Jesus. But it's not the same state of sacrifice of, of just God wants the blood of goats or of rams or something like that. And so, you know, I think about, again, going back to Samuel and Saul, you know, this idea that Saul um, is giving, um, you know, is, is just saying, I'll give these in sacrifice to the Lord. It's, well, not the sacrifice that's so important to the Lord. It's more important that he has this right heart, which is obedience, which is the fulfillment of love, to say, thy will be done rather than my own. And that's what the big sin there is, is that he does the exterior action of wanting to offer these things in sacrifice, but the interior purpose of that sacrifice is lost. And so um, certainly we should be doing sacrifices um, to the Lord in, in the Mass, right? That one sacrifice and uniting our sacrifices to that offering of Christ so that we'd have the rightly ordered heart, right. and that we'd be in right relationship with God and with one another. Well, Father, we're down to just our last about 15 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude our show today? 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless all those who listened today to this show, that they may be in relationship with you, to know you, love you, and serve you. We ask you, Lord, to pour out your graces upon them, that we may all grow in faith, hope, and charity. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Craig DeYoung, thank you so much for joining us here on The Inner Life as our spiritual director. And uh, I want to encourage you to stay tuned. We have Mass coming up next. Father Mike Brennan is our celebrant here. And tomorrow we're talking with Father Joseph Johnson here on the program. Hope you can join us then. Have a blessed rest of your Thursday.